Chapter Twenty Two of the Old Tobacco Shop. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Old Tobacco Shop by William Bowen. Chapter Twenty Two. Six Enchanted Souls. This is my great great grandfather," said the young man. The room in which they stood was hung about on all the walls with rare and beautiful rugs, and similar rugs covered the floor. Richly embroidered cushions and delicate silk and cashmere shawls lay on the few easy chairs that were disposed about the room. The bowl of the hanging lamp, above the table, was of bits of amber and orange and ruby glass, through which shone a subdued and mellow light. Near the ceiling were three or four small openings, covered with iron gratings, and the air in the apartment was pure, except for the odor of tobacco. The figure on the divan was smoking a pipe, a water-pipe whose long, flexible stem reached to the floor, where its bowl rested. Shiraz, the rug merchant, looked at his visitors with little beady black eyes. His skin was very dark and shriveled and wrinkled like the skin of a dried apple. His cheekbones seemed as if about to break through his cheeks and his lips were stretched back from his teeth, which were black and broken. His hands were like the claws of a bird. Thin white hair straggled over his tight, dark scalp. He wore a robe of some soft material, harmoniously modeled upon a ground of maroon, and on his feet were slippers of red morocco, pointed upwards at the toes. His turban lay upon the table beside him. He was the smallest man the strangers had ever seen. After a searching look at them with his beady eyes, he rose from the divan, laid down the stem of his pipe, and stood up. He was not taller than Freddy. As he stood by the divan, looking up at his visitors, he seemed indeed a mere mummy of a man, likely to fall to pieces at a breath of air. "'You are welcome,' he said, in a voice surprisingly strong. "'I perceive that you have come from a great distance. Permit me to inquire.' What errand has brought you to your servant's poor habitation? I reckon we want to buy something, said Toby. I don't know what, exactly, but a chap by the name of Higginson, Captain Reuben Higginson, he give us the direction, as you might say. Ah, yes, said Shiraz the Persian. I remember him very well. I was sorry to learn of his misfortune. An excellent man, a member of some strange sect, a Quaker, said Toby. The paper he left said we might buy something here, and here we are, ready to buy. I have long since retired from the rug business, said Shiraz, but I have brought with me here, as you may see, some of my choicest treasures, as a slight solace in my seclusion. He glanced towards the rugs on the wall. I am reluctant to part with any of them, but I am willing to make an exception in view of your having made so long a journey to see me my son said he to the young man bring hither the omar prayer rug the young man took from one of the walls a small rug and laid it at the feet of shiraz you will immediately perceive said the persian the extreme beauty of this rug it is one of my rarest treasures it is a prayer rug from the mosque of omar of isfahan a caliche of cut pile fabric with the Senna knot, as I need not tell you, made in Kurdistan three hundred years ago. 
observe if you please the delicacy of the design and the harmony of the coloring its possession is as a spring of water to the desert bedouin as a palm with dates on the road to mecca as a word to the believer from the mouth of the prophet its price to those who have journeyed across the sea to buy it is twelve copper pennies the sly old fox stooped down and examined it his eyes lit up with pleasure beautiful said he i have never seen a rug more beautiful it is a real work of-of-i will take it at twelve pennies it is mine no no said aunt amanda you'll do nothing of the kind it is certainly the finest piece of carpet i have ever seen and the price is low enough in all conscience but we are not going to buy it i am sorry sir but we can't buy your rug show us something else shiraz displayed his teeth more plainly than ever in a sly smile your servant is desolated he replied i crave your pardon for showing a trifle so far beneath your notice my son take it away if your excellencies will deign to overlook my error i will produce an article more worthy of your attention this time i promise myself the ecstasy of your approval pretty good line of talk whispered toby in mr punch's ear my son continued Chiraz, bring hither the wishing rug the young man took away the prayer rug and brought another from the wall a much larger one large enough indeed for twenty people to stand on. It was dingy and frayed, and in no way beautiful like the other. A rug of the tomb of Rustam, said Shiraz, gained by the hero in battle from the genie Aknavid. It is the last of the wishing rugs. Its property is that it will transport to the farthest regions of the earth, in the twinkling of an eye, those who sit upon it and but name aloud the place of their desire. Excellencies, he said, addressing his visitors very earnestly if it is your wish to return home the moment has arrived you have only to sit upon this rug and wish yourselves at home and you will find yourselves there safe and sound before the words shall have well left your lips and the price is only twenty pennies every one of the party hesitated a vision of the old tobacco shop entered each mind it had never seemed so cosy so quiet so secure as at that moment how or when they would ever get there in the natural course of events no one knew if they did not seize this opportunity they might be lost forever it was a chance such as they could scarcely have hoped for could we take our belongings with us said the sly old fox all that can be piled on the rug said shiraz then i will buy it said the sly old codger I do not consider twenty pennies too much for such a rug. The rug is mine. It's nothing of the sort, said Aunt Amanda, waking from deep thought. Nobody's going to buy the rug. I'm captain of this expedition, and my orders is to wait and see what's going to happen next. I'm sorry, sir, but the rug ain't exactly what we want. You must show us something else. The rug merchant appeared greatly mortified. I do not know how I could have made such a mistake, he said. I should have known that these little trifles could not interest you. I trust you will believe that I meant no offense. I fear there is nothing in my poor collection which merits your notice. Permit me to wish you a safe journey. Do you intend to remain long in the city of Towers? That won't do, said Toby. 
You must show us something else. The rug merchant looked intently at Aunt Amanda. You command it, said he. I do, said she. To hear is to obey, said Shiraz. I tremble to think how contemptible are the baubles I shall now offer you, but I trust you will not be angry with your servant. He turned to the young man and spoke to him in an unknown tongue. Be not offended, excellencies, he went on, by your poor servant's ignorance in the art of pleasing. The young man disappeared behind one of the hanging rugs, and in a moment returned with certain small objects, which he stood upon the table in a row. They were eight hour-glasses of a very ordinary kind, much like those already seen in the booth outside. The sand in each one was wholly in the upper glass, and was just beginning to trickle down into the lower. The strangers were obviously disappointed. "'I fear your displeasure,' said Shiraz, "'but apart from my trifling rugs, these are all I have to offer.' "'And what?' said the sly old fox. "'What may be the price of these interesting objects?' "'The price,' said Shiraz, fixing his beady eyes on Aunt Amanda. "'The price is this, and nothing less. "'Your treasure on the mules outside. "'Your share of the treasure on the mules.' Everyone gasped. The treasure which they had gone through so many perils to secure, for these indifferent trinkets? A life of ease and plenty for an hourglass? Ahem, said the old codger with a wooden leg. Excuse me for saying it, but the, er, price appears to be a little bit high. It is too high for me, said the sly old fox positively. I regret to say it, but I am compelled to withdraw. I cannot go on at such a figure. Please consider me out of it. And, er, me too, said the old codger with a wooden leg. Well, said Toby, doubtfully, it's a blamed hard thing to give up all that treasure for one of these here little toys. I don't see my way clear to doing it. What do you say, Aunt Amanda? I'll do it, said Aunt Amanda, looking at Shiraz, whose eyes were still on her. I've come all this way to do it, and I'll do it. I ain't going to back out now at the last minute. My mind's made up. Mr. Shiraz, I'll buy an hourglass. Bye, Cracky, said Toby. Then I will, too. What about you, Freddy? Oh, yes, indeed, said Freddy. I'll have one myself, said Mr. Punch. After due consideration, said the church warden, I think I will buy one also. Mr. Hanlon nodded a vigorous assent. The two old codgers, however, were firm in their refusal. They could not be persuaded. They retired from the enterprise then and there. Under the conduct of the young man, the two old codgers left the room and returned to the committee who were waiting with the mules outside, and with them went Toby and Mr. Punch and Mr. Hanlon to bring back that portion of the treasure which was to pay for the six hourglasses. This was a work of much difficulty, and occupied a great deal of time. While it was going on, the rug merchant, having first asked permission, reclined again on the divan and resumed his pipe, while Aunt Amanda, Freddy, and the church warden seated themselves at his invitation and watched him in silence. The treasure was at length piled, complete, in a corner of the room. Toby, Mr. Punch, and Mr. Hanlon returned for the last time, and without the great-great-grandson of the rug merchant. 
The others will wait outside for an hour, said Toby. If we don't come back by that time, they'll go on into the city without us. Shiraz the rug merchant laid down the stem of his pipe, and rising, bowed to Aunt Amanda with great deference. Permit me, most gracious lady, said he, to see the fingers of your left hand. He took in his own right hand the third finger of Aunt Amanda's left, and bent his eyes close over it. He straightened himself up with a long breath, and crossing his arms upon his breast, made a low salam. It is as I thought, said he. The mark is here, on the third finger of the left hand. Highness, said he, bowing lower, I pray you accept your servant's salutation on your return. And raising her hand to his lips, he kissed it in a very courtly manner. Goodness alive, said Aunt Amanda, turning as red as a rose. You make me feel too foolish for anything. You have been away a long time, said Shiraz, but you have returned. Happy am I to be the first to greet you on your return. You and the others have all been enchanted. You are six enchanted souls, and in your present shapes not one of you is himself. I suppose you do not know that you are enchanted. You think that you are yourselves. Is it not so? I assure you it is a mistake but I can put you in the way of correcting your errors and restoring yourselves to your true shapes, if you desire it. Madam, said he, bowing again to Aunt Amanda, I await your commands. I reckon we all want to be corrected, said Aunt Amanda. It's what we've come here for. We've come a long way to this island, and for nothing on earth but to be corrected, if there's any way to do it. If you can do it, go ahead." Hearing is obedience, said Shiraz, pleased to take the hourglasses. Each one took up an hourglass from the table and held it in his hand. It is necessary, said Shiraz, to destroy the sands in the glasses. If they can be destroyed, the enchantment will be over. There is no power on earth which can destroy the sands but one, and that is the white fire of the preserver. Will you risk the fire? I will, said Aunt Amanda, now somewhat pale, and the others nodded assent. Then I will give you the white robes, said Shiraz. Without them, you cannot withstand the fire. He went to a wall and drew from behind the hangings a box, which he opened on the table. From this box he took six white linen gowns, and at his direction each put on one of the gowns. Freddy's was much too long, and he was obliged to hold it up. Well, said Toby, I always did look ridiculous in a nightgown, but this beats... Peace, said Shiraz. The fire will not harm you now. Two things only are necessary, to fear nothing and to hold tight to the hourglasses. With these words he clapped his hands, and from behind the hangings on the rear wall stepped a black man clad in a robe similar to the other's. To this man the Persian spoke in some strange tongue, and the man bowed. Now, said Shiraz, you will follow my servant. Farewell, and peace be with you. End of chapter 22. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.